षण्णो मित्रशं वरुण षण्णो भवत्मा इंद्र बृहस्पति षण्णो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्या वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावधु तद्वक्तावधु मवतु वक्ता सहनावधु सहनौ भुन सह वीर्यंकर्वाहस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमेषा छंदसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयाणारणो भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यांभूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय ओ शाषाशा अहम वृक्षरिवा कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्द्रविणगुंसवर्चस सुमेधाक्षिदेदाचनम शांतिशापूर्णमदूर्णमदूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवशिष्य शाशाशाशाति श्रुतिस्मृतिपुरा नमा भगवत्दोकशंक शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यंदे पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरा 
आत्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवत व्याप्त देहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नमः अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्ध आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्ध अर्थतोप्यनंदन अर्थतोप्यनंदन अतीतद्वैत भानद अतीतद्वैत गुरूनाध्य वेदात गुरूनाध्य वेदात सारम वक्ष्ये यथामे सारम वक्ष्ये यथामे शुन्नो मित्र संवरुण शोत्यंद्रो बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायमे प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्या वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावत स्वृतमस्मी द्रविण गुंसवर्चस 
सुमेधा अमृत क्षित हैचनम discussing here the meaning of the mahavakya tattva masi that thou art <coughs> and it has been shown these two words tat and tvam that and thou what kind of relationships they have with each other as we say there are three elements here one is pada or the word tat and tvam that and thou then there is padartha the meaning of the word what the word stands for what we call the vachyartha or the immediate meaning of the word tat and tvam and there is lakshya that which is implied by the words tat and tvam <coughs> so word tat means that it has a connotation of something that is away from me something that is remote and stands for brahma that brahma that that lord or that god tvam stands for dhau meaning i stands for i the limited being 
So tat meaning that and tvam meaning thou or I. <coughs> That's the meaning of the word. That's the word having these two different connotations. Then padartha, the meaning of the words, that stands for Ishwara, the Lord, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Tvam stands for Jiva, the individual, limited in every respect. That is what we call padartha, or the meaning of the words. So words, meaning of the words, and these, both of them have different connotations, and they are quite contrary connotations. And as much as Tat stands for Ishwara, the omniscient, omnipotent, Tvam stands for Jiva, limited in every way, what is the relationship between them? The statement says, Tat Tvamasi, that is this, or that is you, or you are that, and so, if that is I and I am that, that meaning is possible only when, so, Apparently, these two contradictory entities, Ishwara and Jiva, or Brahma and Jiva, can be one only when the contradictory elements are, are negated or they are found to be false. And that is how, by Lakshanavati meaning, by implication, this statement reveals the truth about both Tat and Tvam. In order that Tat and Tvam are one, in order that Jiva and Brahma are one, in order that the limited and the limitless are one, it can only be, in this case, limited or small and the big, both are one. The individual and total are one. That can only be if the sense of individuality as well as the sense of totality, both of these are false, meaning both of these are superimpositions. So it is one Chaitanyam. One awareness or consciousness, Brahman or the Self, upon which the idea of individuality is superimposed and therefore we have the notion of individuality. Upon the same Brahman or Chaitanyam, the idea of totality is superimposed and that is how same Brahman comes to be called Ishvara or Lord. This one says, both are one alone. So, Viruddhamsa Parityagena by Parityaga or by giving up the Viruddhamsa. So those elements which contradict each other, the bigness and smallness, the remoteness and nearness. So Ishvara Tat is remote, away from me, and Jiva is near, proximate. The sense of proximity and remoteness also indicate that both cannot be one. One is small in every aspect, other is big in every respect, the smallness and bigness are also contradictory. They cannot be in the same locus. So statement says Tat and Tvam are one, meaning that they have the same locus. However, when we analyze the meaning of Tat and Tvam, we realize that there is no way that they can have the same locus, because as you say, Tat is remote and Tvam is proximate. Tat is big, Tvam is small, what is big cannot be simultaneously small, and what is remote cannot be simultaneously proximate. <coughs> and still the statement says, Tat is Tvam. That shows that the remoteness and proximity both are not real, or bigness and smallness also are not real. How wonderfully, this just shows you these things are not real. The Mithyatvam is pointed out right there. 
the mithyatvam of smallness and bigness is pointed out right there or remoteness and proximity also is pointed out right there because otherwise the statement would not be true. <coughs> Tattvamasi. So understand how we start here. We start with this axiom if you want to call it. Tattvamasi, that thou art. That's, that's what is revealed by Upanishads. Rather than asking the question, how can that be? How can I or the jiva be limitless? Ask this question, how can I be limited? Ask the questions the other way around, then it would be much easier to deal with. If you ask, how can there be non-duality when I experience the duality all along? Ask the question, when the Upanishad says there is only non-dual, how can there be duality? It is not that, it is not, the way is not that I start with what I feel and then want to evaluate what the Upanishad says. Rather than that, I begin from where the Upanishad, what the Upanishad says and then try to understand what I am feeling. You see, this is the way. Then alone we would have given the credit to the Upanishad as Pramanam or the valid means of knowledge. For example, if my eyes say that those, that cloth there is red, I can't question why is it red, you know. How can it be red? Rather than that, it is red. How did it come about that? So how I accept what the Pramanam says and then try to understand it, rather than asking how can Pramanam say this? Similarly also, when the Upanishads say that Tat and Tvam are one, Jiva and Ishvara are one alone, they have one locus. <coughs> Rather than saying, how can it be? We have to ask this question, why, how can I feel that separation? How do I have the sense of limitation? How do I think that Ishvara is remote or away from me? How can it be? Then we will find out that that is possible, that what is one is taken to be something else. What is rope is taken to be snake, or what is one is taken to be many, what is free from limitations is taken to be limited, what is my very self is taken to be remote. <coughs> That's why Vedantic teachers give us various prakriyas, various models, various methods, various illustrations they give in not to justify what the Upanishad says but to explain what the Upanishad says. The Vedantic reasoning is not to prove what the Upanishads say, but to explain what the Upanishads say. This whole Shastra is based that way. Even though very highly intellectual discussions come here, but all of them have their basis in what the Upanishads reveal. Meaning that here we are not questioning what they say. We are on the other hand questioning what our own conclusions are. So not that keeping intact our conclusions we want to understand Upanishad. On the other hand, keeping Upanishad as asking, accepting Upanishad as Pramanam, we want to question and understand our own conclusions. This is the process. <coughs> so Tattvamasi, that Dawar, this is what the Upanishad reveals. That what we call Ishvara and what we call Jiva, both of them have one locus alone. How can it be? Only when the two-ness is not real. Only when the smallness is not real. Only when the idea of remoteness is not real. 
how how can it not be real when I'm experiencing that? Then the answer is given that we can experience something and still it may not be real. We may experience a snake and it may not be real. We may experience that something is not with me or something is away from me and it can very well be with me. And that's how the whole idea of ignorance and the railing power of ignorance, the projecting power of ignorance, all of these derive from that, understand? All of these prakriya and all these methodologies derived in order to explain what the Upanishads say. <coughs> and therefore it was said that these words tat and tom, that and thou, what relationship do they have with chaitanyam, with consciousness, which is a locus, lakshya, lakshana bhavaha. The consciousness is that which is lakshya, implied, and tat and tom are the words which are those which imply or lakshanas. Iyameva <coughs> bhagalakshana idhyuchyade. This alone is called bhagalakshana or bhagatyagalakshana. That will be explained even further. But we say that the illustration given here is soem devadattaha. This is that devadatta. That devadatta which I met five years ago is this fellow in front of me right now. So how this statement shows the identity between that and this, where that is at a different time and place and condition, and this is different time, place and condition, and how this statement reveals the identity between two apparently contradictory looking entities, thereby revealing that there is one person who, who was called that with reference to a different time and place, and who is called this with reference to this time and place, but then discarding these contradictory aspects, then we have one person, Devadatta. And how upon one Devadatta, the thisness, thisness and thatness both are superimposed. And thus there is giving up something. What do we give up? The contradictory element. And we retain something. What do we retain? That which is the common. So the person Devadatta is retained and the contradictory aspects of thatness and thisness are given up. This is called bhaga and tyaga. Tyaga means discarding. So in order to understand the statement, this is that devadatta. What happens in our mind is, in our mind the contradictory aspects of devadatta, by which devadatta gain the designation this devadatta and that devadatta. So those contradictory aspects in time and place are given up. And we come to appreciate Devadatta, the person who is retained. So, Tyaga, giving up of the contradictory elements, and Bhaga, retaining of that which is the, which is non-contradictory. This is how we understand the statement, that is this Devadatta, or this is that Devadatta. <coughs> and similarly also, we understand the statement, Tattvamasi, that thou art, by recognizing this fact that, what separates them is contradictory. What we call that? Ishvara. He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. But his omniscience, etc., they belong where? They belong to the Upadi. They belong to what we call the Maya or the Samashti Agnanam, the aggregate of the Upadi. And similarly also, this Dhau or I is limited in every way. The sense of limitation belongs where? Again belongs to the Upadi belongs to this body-mind-intellect complex and not to Chaitanya or consciousness. When we discover this fact, 
So this statement also points the direction of discovery, how to proceed towards discovery of the truth. By what we call discarding, meaning by recognizing the mithyatvam or fallacy of these contradictory aspects. Discover the mithyatvam of the sense of limitation. That sense of limitation is false. Like the snake is superimposed upon the rope, so also the sense of limitation is superimposed upon the eye. See its falseness. falseness. And similarly also to say that each Brahma is omniscient, omnipotent, to recognize that those attributes are also superimposed upon Brahma. <coughs> and that there is one homogeneous, pure consciousness that is both Jiva and Ishvara. Thus discarding happens. This is called renunciation. So how the idea of renunciation comes? Once we renounce renunciation of this contradictory vidyamsha or the contradictory aspect. Renunciation that smallness about me. And what creates that smallness? That ego or the sense of individuality. Aham and mama. Aham is the sense of individuality. Mama is the sense of mindness, that this is mine. That mine is, mine or my is the sixth case of I. And so the sense of individuality and the sense of ownership, the possession, the attachments, aversions, all of that are born in the wake of the sense of individuality. The renunciation of all of this because these are the things that create the sense of limitation in I. So renunciation. Renunciation of what? Aham and Mama. As you know, in five stages, first is avidya, ignorance, then asmita, the sense of individuality, then raga, then comes the mamatvam, the sense of ownership, sense of mindness, then comes raga, the attachment, attachment for that which is agreeable to me, dresha, aversion for that which is disagreeable to me, and avinivesha, a strong attachment or fear of hanging on to something which provides me security. Hanging on to this body, hanging on to the sense of individuality from which I am seeking security. This is how the process is described. And therefore, if you have to renounce something, you have to renounce this. Sorry, aham, mama, the ainess, mindness, attachments, aversions, and then a strong holding on to something for my security. <coughs> we find ourselves doing this. So let us analyze the, the basis for all of this. And if we do find that there is no basis for attachment, for aversion, for ownership, and then ultimately for a sense of individuality, we should be willing to discard that. By seeing their fallacy, so seeing the mithyatvam, renunciation meaning seeing the mithyatvam of all this. <coughs> Why is renunciation then associated with actually giving up things? Giving up the pleasures, the vow of poverty and celibacy and refrainment or abstinence from pleasure seeking etc. Why is it so? That lifestyle is just conducive to this discovery, that's all. So renunciate leads a lifestyle 
which is and, and follow certain values etc which are conducive to this ultimate renunciation of raga, dvesha, aham, mama etc. <coughs> because if that lifestyle is not there it is very difficult to give up this raga, dvesha etc. and therefore a lifestyle also. So renunciation as a lifestyle is one thing but renunciation as seeing the fallacy of what I am holding on to is and giving up what I, what I discover as false is, that is a true renunciation. So Bhagatyaga Lakshana, this very thing brings the concept of renunciation. That's the fundamental. To understand the truth, we have to discard lots of notions. That's all. Renunciation of notions. Renunciation of false conclusions. That's the renunciation. How do I give up? How do I renounce? Is renunciation a physical process? No. Renunciation is a seeing. Seeing that what I am holding on to or the conclusions I am holding on to have no basis. Have no basis in reasoning. We are all very rational people. People who base their lives in reasoning. Except that we will find that there is no reasoning whatever when I claim to like something and dislike something else. I find there is no reasoning when I claim something to be mine. We find there is no reasoning when I say that I am a small individual, <clears throat> that I am a man or a woman or tall or short or happy or unhappy. There is no reasoning for this. So lots of things we are holding on to without, then we won't apply reasoning. But we keep this business intact, you know. So this very, very thing we have to, in fact, uh, question. Reasoning is fine, but we will find that all these conclusions are based, we have no reasoning at all. <coughs> and that renunciation is nothing but seeing the fallacies, seeing the mithyatvam. And once we see mithya is mithya, seeing the unreal is unreal, then certainly I am not going to hold on to it. As long as I think it is real, so long we hold on to it. Like the other day when I was invited for bhiksha, for, you know, for lunch someplace and then uh, I was made to sit in the, the drawing room you know with the dining hall dining table and sing it was there and this landlady who had invited me she went into the kitchen to make the final preparation sometimes the final preparations take too long you know they want to feed the swami the hot food and they make the chapatis there and then they warm up the food and takes pretty long time and I was very hungry looking around, what should I do? I'm so hungry. I saw that on the dining table some very be fresh, beautiful fruits were lying there. And so nobody was there. So I quietly approached there, you know, there was a beautiful apple there. And so I went there and I picked up the apple. <coughs> Except as soon as I picked up the apple, I placed it back. Then there was very nice, a banana I picked up I put it back. There was graves I picked up, I put it back. What happened? I found that that apple was made of plaster of Paris or something like that, you know. In this place, country, everywhere there are flowers, but nothing is real. It's amazing. You find flowers everywhere. Even in, in the temples, which the Indian communities are built, it is customary to offer flowers to the deities. 
And you find that all big, those flower vases and all sorts of things, and even the garlands and all, all of these are false, you know. So that was a false apple. Until that point, my mouth was watering, you know, and with the expectation of eating an apple. But as soon as I discovered that it is false, I just place it back there, that's all. And so, no more attraction to that. No aversion also. I don't hate that apple just because it is false. I may hate it if I am disappointed, but that's my problem, not the problem of the apple. When I discover that the apple is false, fine. I am no more attracted to it, no more there is an aversion. I am objective. Then I can even appreciate how beautifully that thing is made, you know. Even though it is false, how real it looks, I can appreciate that art also. If my mind is objective. So, once we discover that a thing is mithya or false, then nobody is going to run after that. Then the Raga and Advesha, none of them can be. Understand that when we discover mithyatvam, Raga means attachment and Dvesha or aversion, none of them have a, has a place. That is called renunciation. That's the kind of renunciation that is called for. That's all. Knowing the false as false. What is attachment? What is false is taken to be real. Not only with reference to the world, with reference to my own self. The sense of individuality is false, taken to be real. The sense of possession is false, taken to be real. And then I base my security and everything upon that. And so, that everything has a total false basis. That's why in our life so much strife and disappointments and frustration because the basis on which, every, the things on which all these things are based themselves have no reality. <coughs> so all I, we are trying to say here is that how the statement Tattvamasi, that thou art, which in order to understand requires discarding of the contradictory aspects which requires seeing the fallacy or mithyatvam of those contradictory things, which requires seeing the mithyatvam, the fallacy of my own ahankara and mamakara, which then requires a certain lifestyle and certain values of life. So how the whole thing comes, you know, from one statement, tattvamasi. So you'll find how everything is based, the whole Indian life is based on that. The ashrama, the the, the four stages of life, the Brahmacharya, Grahastha, Vanaprastha, Sanyasa. Brahmacharya means the life of a student, or life of a celibate. Grahastha then followed by the life of the householder. Vanaprastha followed by life of the recluse or life of the retired. And finally followed by the life of a renunciate. So this whole idea also is giving up in, in, in stages. Giving up the false and approaching the real. This is the, the even the culture and the whole lifestyle all that has ultimately this one objective and that is moksha or liberation so it's a religious culture now everything is based on this perception of life so this is called bhaga tyaga lakshana by implication of bhaga and the tyaga re, the discarding of what is false and retaining of what is real this is how we understand the identity between the individual and Brahma. <coughs> now, several other interpretations are given for the statement Tattvamasi, that thou art. And 
that is now taken up for discussion as to how in no other way can we understand the statement Tattvamasi other than what we call Lakshana Vritti. Now question is, do you have to go in for Lakshana Vritti or do you go, have to go in for implied meaning? Or can what we call the Vachyartha or the immediate meaning, can it give rise to the meaning or not? We said that the words Tat and Tvam, the identity here revealed by the statement can be understood only when, when we go for Lakshyartha or implied meaning. The Vachyartha or the immediate meaning, they, appear, they are totally contradictory because Tvam is limited and Tat is, is free from limitation. Tvam is immediate or proximate and Tat is remote. And so identity between them is not possible. That identity can be only when we take the implied meaning of Tat and Tvam and implied meaning are the pure consciousness. Then next passage discusses here, is it possible to interpret or arrive at the meaning of the statement Tattvamasi that thou art without going for Lakshanavritti, without going for implication and rather only working with what we call Vachyartha or the immediate meanings. So whatever meanings is words Tat and Tvam reveal the immediate meanings, with that, is it possible to understand this statement or not? This is the question. And that question is dealt with in the passage here, beginning from passage 155 on the page 90. <coughs> Asmin Vakye Neela Mutpalam Iti Vakyavata Vakyasaha Nasangachade Asmin Vakya In this statement meaning Tattvamasi that thou art Vakyasaha Nasangachade The rule is that you should go for implied meaning only when the literal meaning does not does not convey the sense. As long as the literal meaning or immediate meaning is applicable, so long we should go in for that meaning alone. We should not go for implications. The implied meaning should be adopted only when the literal meaning or the immediate meaning does not convey the sense. We say, we would, Tattvamasi, that thou art, or Swam Devadatta, this is that Devadatta. Since the literal meaning of this and that cannot be one and therefore the statement would not make sense, therefore we have to go for the implied meaning of this and that, that this and that both pronouns, even though their, their connotations are different from each other, but then by discarding the contradictory elements, that both of them imply the same person. So implied meaning we adopt only when the vachyartha or the direct meaning is not applicable. So now the author wants to explore this idea. Is the direct meaning applicable? Is it possible to avoid the implication and go in for a direct meaning or you know adopting the direct or immediate meaning of the words? Is it possible to understand the statement or not? So asmin vakye in the statement tattvamasi Neelam Utpalam, there is another statement. Neelam Utpalam. Neelam meaning 
blue. Utpalam lotus. This also expression you will find very commonly statement. Neelam utpalam, blue lotus. Or as you will find in Taitriya Upanishad, Neelam mahat sudandhi utpalam. A blue, big, fragrant lotus. Neelam mahat sugandhi utpalam. A blue, big, fragrant lotus. Let us confine ourselves to Neelam Utpalam, a blue lotus. So this is also an expression. This is a blue lotus. What is the relationship between the words blue and lotus? Then we are able to accept or adopt the literal meaning of the words blue and lotus and also unable to understand the sense of this statement blue lotus. What is blue? Blue is visheshanam, adjective, qualification. And what is lotus? The substance, that which is qualified. So one thing is that this statement blue lotus, this expression, the words blue and the lotus, they enjoy what we call the relationship of the visheshana and visheshya, the qualification and that which is qualified. <coughs> So, in a statement, this becomes a little technical, but anyway, let me, uh, that we have to understand how the, and again and again we will find in Vedanta discussion of how the sentences and words convey their meaning. Because Vedanta is Pramanam, the means of knowledge, and Vedanta is in the form of a body of words. It's in the form of words and statements. So how does a statement or a sentence convey the meaning for which there is a lot of debate? Here of course the discussion is very simple, but they say that the words enjoy two kinds of relationships in a sentence. One is what they call samsargaha and other is what they call vishishtaha. <coughs> that meanings are given here Samsargaha. Samsarga means a mutual connection. The words are mutually connected with each other. Or Visheshaha, where they are associated by the relationship of qualification and qualifier, qualified. For example, take a statement. Rama Gam Ana. Hey Rama, bring the cow. Go means means the cow. So, gam, cow, ana, bring. Here, rama, gam, ana. Here, rama, bring the cow. Here, I should say, rama, please bring the cow. So, Swamiji, when you are in America, make sure that you use this, please. You know, because otherwise people may get offended. They may think that you are instructing them what it is. Alright, so rama, but in Sanskrit there is no please. The problem is there are cultural problems also. That in Sanskrit or in Indian language there is no, there is no equivalent of please. As Swami was saying there is no equivalent of thank you also. So if you find sometimes that these foreigners or people coming from India sound a little rude, it is only because there are no equivalent things in the language. And there is no equivalent thing in the culture. Language means culture. In that culture, the equivalence of please is not there, 
or a kind of thank you also is not there. <clears throat> Although prayer is there. So, but then generally speaking, bring it, do this, etc., you know. <clears throat> Perhaps the authority is accepted, you know. There is someone in the position of authority and someone in the position of obeying the authority. And therefore, the person in authority says the other one, bring this. And it understood that this one obeys the authority and he has no objection to that because that's how the psyche, that's how one has been brought up. So, in, in a country like India and perhaps in other eastern countries also, this idea of authority of the, the elder above the younger, of the father above the son, of the teacher above the disciple, of anyone who is in a higher position upon over the one who is in a lower position, this idea of authority exists there. And therefore people are accustomed to being respected and stuff like that, you know. The same people when they come here, when they find their own children, do not respect them because children are brought up in, the, in this tradition, this custom, I mean culture here. They don't know what is authority and what is meant by respect and reverence and stuff like that. And those parents who spend their whole life in India uh, respecting authority and showing respect and reverence towards elders and whatever without questioning. Their children question, why should I revere my father? Why should I respect this, you know? And so anyway, so this business, this please, etc. is something that takes a certain time for these people to learn. That after all, the idea of authority with which one is brought up in a country like India, that doesn't obtain here. And therefore the idea of respect, that you should automatically respect someone because he's sit, sitting in a given position, or he's occupying a certain position, this thing does, it's, it's wonderful. You know, you may not know what it means, but then when you see this whole thing from a different cultural, cultural standpoint, it is just amazing. It's just amazing. And you'll be equally amazed when you go to India and see how people just respect and revere, you know. And that'll be all, that's also equally amazing from this standpoint. But the statement that is traditionally presented for analysis is Rama Gam Anaya. When elder person tells the boy Rama, <coughs> Hey Rama, bring the cow. So here, the relationship that these words have, Rama, bring the cow. That word cow is placed in the accusative case. Rama, the word is placed in what we call the vocative case. And Anaya, bring, is the ver verbal form. <coughs> and these words convey a meaning uh, they form a sentence and convey a unified meaning by being connected to one another by a relationship that we call samsarga or mutual connection. The words all mean different, they are all placed in different cases also, each one of them contributes something and then we have a combined sense by mutual connection, these words convey a, a, a sense, a unified sense of Rama bringing the cow. This is one way in which the words can be connected in a sentence. The second statement is Neelamutpalam, blue lotus. Here we find the word blue and the lotus, both of them are placed in the same case. In this case a nominative singular, Neelamutpalam, blue lotus. Now how are these words connected? 
the worlds are connected by the relationship what we call Visheshana and Visheshya. The qualification and the substance that is qualified. There is not the relationship between Rama, Gam, Anaya. But here, the relationship between Neelam and Utpalam, blue and lotus, is one of qualification and the substance that is qualified. <coughs> so these are the two relationships that they have identified. One relationship is called Samsarga. Other relationship is called Vishesha. Samsarga and Vishishta. Samsarga, mutual combination. Vishishta is the uh, mutual qualification. Mutual relationship and mutual qualification. This is the, these are the two kinds of relationships that obtain normally. Now the author wants to make a point that between the state, between the words Tat and Tvam, yet a third kind of relationship obtains. And that is called the relationship of identity. So relationship of qualification, relationship of mutual connection, and thirdly, the relationship of identity. <coughs> so relationship of identity requires the need for lakshanavati or understanding it by implication. But if either other two relationships are applicable, if between these words tat and tvam, either the samsarga or vishishta, either a relationship were applicable, if they are mutually connected or if they enjoy the relationship of qualification and qualified, then you need not have to go in for lakshanavati or implication. So here the author in the next passage explores the idea and says that the relationship between tat and tvam or that and thou in a statement that thou art cannot be either samsarga in terms of mutual connection or vishesha in the terms of qualification and qualified and therefore we have to go in for a third relationship called identity and that identity will require that we have to discard the opposing elements and for doing that we have to adopt what we call lakshanavrti or the implied meaning that the direct or vachyartha the literal or the principal meaning is not applicable <coughs> it would have been applicable if the relationship between the words were samsarga or vishishta but since those relationships are not possible, therefore only third relationship called identity is uh, identity or abheda is, is applicable and therefore we have to go in for lakshanavrti. So this statement will convey the meaning only when we go for the implied meaning or lakshanavrti. This is the point that is being made. <coughs> so this passage said, asmin vake, in this statement, tattvamasi, Neelam utpalam vidvakyavat Like a vakya or a sentence Neelam utpalam blue lotus Vakyartha na sangachade Vakyartha meaning literal meaning or the immediate meaning na sangachade is does not make sense or does not fit is not applicable <coughs> How that is explains in the subsequent passages So the next passage 156 Tatrato Nila Padartha Nila Gunasya Utpala Padartha 
ઉત્પલદ્રવ્ય શૌક્લ વિશેષણ વિશેષરૂપ સંસર્ગસ્યતર વિશિષ્ટ અન્યતર તદક્યસ્યવાક્યાંગીકારે પ્રમાણાંતર વિરોધ અભાવ તદ્વાક્યાગે ઇન દેટ પર્ટિક્યુલર સ્ટેટમેન્ટ વેર સ્ટેટમેન્ટ નીલમ ઉત્પલમ બ્લુ લોટસ ઇન દેટ સ્ટેટમેન્ટ ઓર સેન્ટેન્સ નીલમ ઉત્પલમ બ્લુ લોટસ વાક્યાર્થ સંગચ્છતે ધ લિટરલ મીનિંગ ઓર ઇમિડિયેટ મીનિંગ ઓફ વર્ડ એઝ ઇટ ફિટ્સ ઇન ધ કોન્ટેક્સ્ટ વાક્યાર્થ સંગચ્છતે વેન વેન ધી મીનિંગ વુડ ફિટ when that meaning does not contradict other means of knowledge like blue lotus so how does it convey says here neela padartha neela gunasya utpala padartha utpala dravyasya so when you say blue lotus then there is a word blue that is called pada and there is a meaning of the word blue that is called padartha there is pada and padartha blue is a word and it is a meaning in terms of a color you know which is the meaning of the word blue similarly we have another word called utpala meaning lotus so lotus is a word and there is a padartha there is a meaning a substance called lotus so neela padartha neela gunasya the word blue and the color blue utpala padartha utpala dravyasya and the word lotus and the substance or the object called lotus <coughs> what they do shaukla shaukliya patadi bhedavyavartakata when you use the word blue automatically it excludes it distinguishes a particular object and conveys the idea that the object is qualified by the color blue and therefore all other colors are discarded so blue lotus when we say what is the role that the word blue plays there it excludes the ideas of colors such as white etc the lotus can be white it can be red also and therefore the ideas of whiteness redness all of these are excluded so this is what a qualification does a qualification excludes everything else from the substance that is qualified so when we say blue lotus since lotus can come in different colors it can be white it can be red and it can be some other colors also therefore when we say blue lotus then the word blue excludes or restricts the lotus to blueness and excludes the other colors such as white red etc that's what the word blue does word and the meaning of the word blue they do this also when we say lotus 
What does that word do? Lotus is an object or a substance. And therefore, now we say blue lotus. So there also a restriction is done. That blue color can belong to a chair, there can be blue wall, there can be blue cloth, there can be blue sky, there can be blue t-shirt, you know. So this blue can be anywhere. But when you say blue lotus, then immediately that word lotus, it restricts the scope of blue, that it is a blueness applicable only to lotus and to nothing else. And that's how the word lotus excludes all other substances such as cloth, etc., where the color blue could have been. So blue could have been on a t-shirt, or on a cloth, or on a wall, or on a chair, and in many places. And when we use the word lotus, then that word lotus excludes all other objects or substances. So word blue, when we use the word blue, it excludes all of the colors in the substance called lotus. And when we use the word lotus, it excludes all of the substances which could be in association with the color blue. Vyavardakataya Anyonya Visheshna Visheshya Samsargasya And therefore we can look upon the statement blue lotus in this manner that blue qualifies and restricts the lotus and lotus qualifies and restricts the blue. That the blue restricts the lotus, the lotus cannot be anything other than blue. And the word lotus also restricts blue that it is blueness associated only with lotus and not associated with anything else. And this is called mutual qualification. Anyonya visheshana visheshya rupa samsarga. Each one qualifying the other. You must have heard Swami sometimes saying, you know, uh, big mountain, small mountain, you know, while explaining the meaning of the word Brahma, the word Brahma is derived from the root Bruh. Bruh in the sense of bigness. So Brahma means the big. How big? Unqualified big. Where bigness is unqualified. If that adjective big were used along with the substance, then even the bigness also will be limited. It's a big mountain, then the bigness is a certain dimension. When you say big man, then bigness is another dimension. When you say big, big mosquito, then bigness is yet another dimension. A big amoeba, that bigness would have yet another dimension. So how even the qualification gets qualified, understand? Usually big is qualification which would qualify in an object, but how the object also restrains the qualification. This is called mutual qualification qualified relationship. How blue qualifies lotus and how lotus qualifies blue. Each one qualifying the other and each one being qualified by the other. That is one way of looking at the statement blue lotus. This is called Anyonya Visheshana Visheshyarupa Samsarga. That is Samsarga. That is the connection between the two words. The words are not one. Blue is not lotus and lotus is not blue. Understand? They do not have an identity. They are connected. How are these two words connected? By the relationship of Visheshana and Visheshya. By the relationship of qualification and that which is qualified. This is called Samsarga or connection. Anyatara Visheshtasya 
There is also a connection. Or thirdly, you can look upon this statement, Blue Lotus as Aikyam. Aikyam is what? That blue that is non-separate from lotus or the lotus that is non-separate from blue. You understand? And so, Neela Abhinna Mutpalam Utpala Abhinna Neelam Neela Abhinna Mutpalam a lotus that is non-separate from blueness or utpala bhinna neelam meaning a blueness non-separate from lotus thus you can see aikyam or oneness there not identity you must know the difference between aikya or identity and non-separateness identity is when blue and lotus both are one alone but here we are not talking of oneness we are not talking of identity we are talking here of, of oneness or unity. What is the unity? That blue and lotus are one. So blue non-separate from lotus or lotus non-separate from blue, that would be called unity. So these words blue and lotus can enjoy these three kinds of relationships or connections. One is each one qualifying the other and each one being qualified by the other. In Sanskrit it is called Anyonya Visheshana Visheshya Bhavaha. All the relationship can be looked upon as one qualifying the other. Blue qualifying the lotus. Or lotus depending on what you are looking for. If you are looking for a lotus then you say hey this is blue lotus. Blue adjective qualification lotus qualifier. If you are looking upon blue color let us say. For illustration of blue color then I have happened to find a lotus there. I pick up a lotus, this is blue. In which case, the lotus qualifies blue because I'm looking for a blue thing. Then one qualifying the other called Anyatara Vishistasya. Or thirdly, Aikyam or unity. We can say that blue and lotus, so lotus non-separate from blueness and blueness non-separate from lotus. So these three kinds of relationships cause samsarga or Vishista. Samsarga, a connection. Vishista, the qualification is possible between these words blue and lotus. Then we can take the literal meanings or we can take the primary meanings of the, both the words blue and lotus and can also, the sentence then also makes sense because it does not contradict our experience. When we Accept the meaning of the vakya or meaning of the sentence in this manner. Paramanantara viroda bhavat. Since there is a bhava, since it does not contradict our experience. That is, that blue. You can say blue man, then they will have a question that. Yeah, it is a blue man, you know. Then wait a minute. That, that contradicts our experience. We have never seen a man who is blue. Then you may have to understand blue in a different way. Isn't it? 
I, I don't remember now, but formally they used to say, you are blue this morning, what is, is it, is it, was there such an expression? I think in the 60s or 70s or what it is. So then blue would have to be understood differently, understand? So, you are, you are blue, so blue man when we say, it is not blue color, then it is a moon or something like that, you know? In, in that case, we will have to go, since this expression blue man, contradicts our experience, then we have to go in for what we call implied meaning. The literal meaning of the word blue is not applicable there, but implied meaning of the word blue will have to be taken where blue stands for some kind of mood, I guess. Is that right? Yeah. So this is called implied meaning. So first attempt is, always should be to take the direct or literal meaning and make the sense out of it. Only when the literal meaning does not make sense that we go in for the implied meaning. Here when they say blue lotus, it fi- it's fine. Yes, we have seen lotuses that are blue. If somebody says golden lotus, we may have to question, I don't know whether such a thing is there or not. There may not be. When you say blue sky, that's fine. Somebody says red sky, I guess that also can be understood. But if somebody says green sky, I, we would have to question that, you know then perhaps the green may not have to be taken in literal meaning, it may have to be taken in some other meaning. So, when the literal meaning does not contradict our experience or reasoning, then we accept that. Here in the statement, blue lotus, that statement does not contradict our experience or reasoning, because blue and lotus can go together, they need not be one. Even though there is samadhikaranya meaning, even though both of them are in the same location, so same uh, same locus or the same case, still the relationship of identity is not there. Relationship of unity is there. Not identity, but unity is there. Meaning they can be in one place, retaining their separation. So, Bheda Asahishnu Abhedaha. Bheda Sahishnu, sorry. Bheda Sahishnu Abhedaha. A unity that is not opposed to diversity. We say blue lotus, blue and lotus are one and still blue retains its blueness, lotus retains its lotusness. So lotus retains the independence of being of another color and blue retains the independence of being associated with another substance. So blue and lotus while retaining their separation or identity, they can be one because they happen to be united here. So they can be united or they can be considered as enjoying the relationship of Visheshana and Visheshya, qualification and qualified. And since that does not contradict our experience or reasoning, that interpretation, literal of in, literal meanings of the words blue and lotus is applicable in that statement. But that cannot be the case with the statement Tattvamasi or that Dhawad. <coughs> Why is it so? This, me- this method of literal meaning is not possible in case of statement tattvamasi. That's stated in the, in the passage 157. Atratu Tvampadartha Aparokshatvade Vishishta Chaitanyasya Chaitanyasya 
अन्योन्य भेद व्यावर्तकतया विशेषण विशेष भाव संसर्ग से अतर विशिष्ट अतर से तदक्य वाक्यांगीकारे प्रत्यक्षा प्रमाण विशिष्टचैतन्यस्य We know that that also refers to Chaitanyam or conscious being. Tvam or Dhav also refers to Chaitanyam or the conscious being. That we understand. But what is the meaning of the word that? Tat parartha parokshatvada vishishta chaitanyasya. That pronoun that stands for consciousness or conscious being. Qualified by remoteness. Qualified by bigness. Qualified by lordness. that is called tat and on the other hand tvam or dhav that is also conscious being but qualified by smallness qualified by proximity qualified by immediacy i should say qualified by immediacy because i am right here and qualified by smallness so tat is the consciousness qualified by bigness and remoteness and tvam is the consciousness qualified by smallness and immediacy अन्यन सपोज वी वांट टू नाउ कनेक्ट दीस टू वर्ड्स एज विशेषण एंड विशेष लेट्स लाइक दिस स्टेटमेंट नीलमुत्पलम ब्लू लोटस जस्ट सो एज वी कनेक्टेड द वर्ड्स ब्लू एंड लोटस बाय द रिलेशनशिप ऑफ क्वालिफिकेशन एंड क्वालिफाइड सपोज वी वांट टू कनेक्ट दिस वर्ड्स तत एंड तम इन द सेम मैनर वुड इट वर्क दैट तत that which is big and remote cannot be a qualification of tvam which is small and here cannot be nor can tvam which is i small and here immediate can be a qualification for tat which is that and remote so the relationship of visheshan and visheshya qualification and qualified does not make sense because it is not our experience it is not reasonable or it is contradictory to our experience also और कंदर भी एक कनेक्शन लाइक राम गाम आनय हे राम प्लीज ब्रिंग द काउ इन दैट दैट काउ एंड ब्रिंग एंड राम दे एंजॉय सडन रिलेशनशिप बिकॉज दे आर ऑल कनेक्टेड देर इज म्यूचुअल कनेक्शन बिटवीन दैम और देर इज यूनियन बिकॉज ऑफ द म्यूचुअल कनेक्शन इज दैट कैंड ऑफ रिलेशनशिप पॉसिबल इयर बिटवीन तथ एंड थम नो बिकॉज बोथ ऑफ देम आर प्लेस इन द सेम केस नॉमिनेटिव केस एंड देर it's not that one is a subject then you can ob- subject object predicate etc this kind of relationship also is not there in that case i become the subject and rama becomes the subject cow becomes the object and bringing becomes the the uh, the, the verb or the action so that kind of relationship of 
subject and predicate also is cannot be there between this tat and tvam. That tat is subject and tvam is predicate, or tvam is subject and tat is predicate, that is not possible. Or the relationship of the qualification and qualified, the tat is qualification and tvam is qualified, or tvam is qualification and tat is qualified, that is also not possible. So other standard relationships or conventional relationships that are possible when we take the literal meaning of the words, those relationships are not possible between the words tat and tvam in the statement tattvamasi. So parokshatvad vishishtu chaitanya sacha anyonya bhera vyavardakata visheshana visheshya bhava samsargasya anyatara vishishtasya Anyatrasya tadaikyasya bhava kyaar tattvangi kare Or you want to see the unity Just as you see the unity between blue and the lotus Can you see unity between tat and tvam? You cannot because two, One that is here and other that is there They cannot be united So unity also is not possible That qualification qualified also is not possible So if you want to adopt a meaning like that Pratyakshadi pramana virodha because there is a virodha, there is what we call contradiction or opposition to pratyakshadi pramana. That it is not our experience, it, it, does, it, it does not stand to reason or it is not in keeping with our experience. And therefore, that kind of interpretation would not be applicable. Vakyartha <coughs> na There is no consistency. Consistency, the vakya does not make a sense. Therefore, to make a sense out of this vakya, it is necessary that we have to accept what we call implied meaning and the vakyartha or the literal meaning is not possible. And this conclusion is stated in the next passage. What we discussed in support of this statement, he quotes a verse and this is the style of this text. He first presents the reasoning and in support of that position that the author has taken, he quotes a statement from a recognized text. Here for your information is a quotation from Panchadashi from the seventh chapter. Taduktam Samsargova Vishishtova Samsargova Vishishtova Vakyartho Natrasamataha Vakyartho Natrasamataha Akhandaikara Satvena Akhandaikara Satvena Vakyartho vidusham matah Vakyartho vidusham matah Iti Taduktam It has been said, therefore it has been said In Panchadashi by Vidyarani Swami Samsargova Vishistova In this particular statement that thou art Samsargaha Samsarga means the uh, union of the two ideas Vishistova or the mutual qualification. The union in the sense of the Rama, Gam, Anaya. That kind of samsarga is not possible. Or Nilamutparam, that Vishistha also is not possible. Vakyartho, Natrasammataha. In this Atra, in this statement, that kind of meaning of the statement is Nasammataha. is not accepted. It has not been, it is not correct or not accepted. Why? Akhandai Karasatvena, Vakyartho, Vidushammataha. On the other hand, there is yet a third relationship. This is a Vedantic contribution. Because in Niyayikas and other people only accept the other kind of relationship between us words. 
Vedantins say that no, there is a third kind of relationship called identity. Absolute oneness. Not qualification, qualified or whatever, or connected in one way. So we'll see tomorrow how the statement Tattvamasi is interpreted Tasyatvamasi, you are his. That shows a, 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 a samsarga, a connection between them. This kind of a, this kind of explanations are not acceptable because they contradict our experience and contradict the vision of the scriptures and therefore the only relationship that the words can have is akhandaikara sattvena. Akhanda, akhanda means unbroken. Ekarasa, homogeneous. So absolute homogeneous identity between tat and thvam. So when the contradictory elements of tat and thvam are discarded by seeing their mithyatvam, then we see that there is only one principle, which is akhanda ekarasa. Akhanda means undivided, indivisible or absolute. Ekarasa, homogeneous. There is no, not even the slightest of the difference between tat and tvam, between jiva and brahma. And that is vakyarsaha, vidushamataha. The wise people say that that is the only interpretation of the statement that is possible. <coughs> okay. Om Puranamada Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantishantishantishantihe Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om